Hi, I'm Sadek. And I'm Christian. And this is episode 136 of Shades of Brown. Yes, it is 136. I always check that. Uh, and this week, there isn't like, like, well, there's this stuff happened, but it's like a lot of stuff that happened is still happening. It's in progress. It's not really topics we can discuss. Um, I mean, we like not discuss. Uh, it's uh, how do I say this? I, I think that maybe the way to phrase it is: there are a lot of allegations going around in Twitch, in games itself. Um, fuck Ubisoft, Jim Sterling voice here, um, and other areas. Hell, even like the Love Live stuff, like Bushy Road and Sunrise. Like, there's just a lot of allegations coming out. So, um, we won't really be talking about them today. But number one, fuck abusers. And two, fuck video games. Yeah, it's it's just, it's a thing that's happening. And uh, if you want good coverage of it, Waypoint is on it. You know, if, you, if you're looking for that kind of thing, uh, if you're looking for level-headed coverage on it, it's it's Waypoint is there. The Polygon has been on it as well, right? Like, so there are people all covering this. I know Ars Technica has been covering the fighting game community stuff that has happening. So, you know, if you want to... Read up on that. That's that's where you're gonna go. But Jim Sterling, I think this week as well though too had a had a good pace. Too. Uh, Jim Sterling talked about it on on the podcast. I think he talked about it. Uh, well, this week's Jim Quisition. Yes, this week's Jim Quisition was. Yes, week's Jim well. Quisition was oh boy, it's it's a very it's a tough watch uh, in many ways, but it it, it, is, it it is on that topic. So something a little, maybe a little bit. I don't know if this is lighter, uh, but we we're well, we're gonna talk shit about Microsoft basically. Let, let's let's dunk on Microsoft. <laughs> it is lighter in the sense that it is. Uh, is not as yeah. So the, so the thing is, uh, the Microsoft had a there's a there's been a new Windows update, right? There's a Windows or other new major Windows update. Like there has been a major release in May, right? There's the May 2020 update? version 20, 2004. 2004, uh, yeah, version twenty four. I think this was released in May twenty twenty, right? And like it's sort of like. Like as these releases go, they're sort of like uh, rolling release updates, right? Like they they don't distribute all of them at once. So I got it like a couple of weeks ago, uh, and one of the things that happens when you install this update and you restart back into your desktop is Mac, this new version of Edge, right? Launches like it immediately just launches itself straight away. It then tries to like convince you to migrate away from your current browser, right? And then it pins itself to your desktop at your taskbar. And and every next time I launch like a web, like if you click like a uh, like a link a shortcut on your, on your from Fire Browser, it would it would like reset the preference, so you'd have to choose Firefox again or your or Chrome or something like that. Like it, I and people have been likening this to how malware works because it 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 kind of is like how malware this is literally a ma- how ransomware pops up on your screen yes right? it literally is it's like the <laughs> most it's i i want to talk to whoever approved this over at microsoft because this is just it is not good like it i think the so first of all okay so microsoft edge is i'm not gonna say that microsoft edge is a bad browser or anything because i don't think it is a bad browser it's fine it's it's perfectly fine it's it might even suit your needs right but 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 if you're using Chrome or you're using Firefox, right? You made the choice, and it's not like when you update Windows, you're suddenly gonna be like, "I'm gonna switch browsers." And it's this just reeks of them being very desperate, and it just makes Edge actually look bad because it makes it look like they're so desperate for people to start using this browser that they're willing to like put this whole malware looking 
campaign up, basically like an ad campaign uh, up on your browser or up on your desktop. Like it's, it's not acceptable. Like it really is not acceptable. Like it's, it's if, if imagine if like Apple, like updated Mac OS and it was like, it's like Safari would just launch. And they, and they put um, notifications for uh, TV shows and music in your notification center. Hmm. Are you asking? Hmm. <laughs> it's, almost like, it's almost like vertical integration like that is, is a cause for, you know, uh, uh, um, antitrust issues, uh, amongst other things. Uh, so well, I guess I think it's important to say too that the Apple one isn't as egregious as this because they are just notifications that you can turn off. Whereas this is just like a full screen. Yes, but this is just like this is like you have no choice in this. Like you, there is no choice as in like you update your PC, which you know you should do. By the way, still, even if this is a thing, you should still keep your PC up to date. Uh, you update your PC as you like you like there's no warning. It just like you restart your PC and it, it, there it is. It's just it's there on your like it happened like this happened to me and I sort of like I don't know, maybe I'm just used to Microsoft being like trash and like being like pushing edge so much that I it happened to me, but I just like it I just brush it off as it was like not really a big deal for me. Like it just happens like you just you're so used to Microsoft doing this thing. I think I just forgot that this happened until the news stories started coming out. Like uh people were up on Twitter and like talking about it and tech journals have picked it up. Is that like yeah, this is just it's not acceptable. Like I I I'm not even tempted to check out Edge. Like I know Edge is this is the new version of Edge, which is the uh like what the the WebKit or oh, not a WebKit? Is it WebKit? Uh, it's Chrome. It's a fork it's of Chrome, Chrome, right? Like the Blink uh, engine, right? Uh, they're calling yeah, it. Yeah, it, it's basically it's like Chrome, but runs a little bit better. Which is a, like it's actually a decent browser. Like if you, it is probably better if you're using it on Windows, just because of how um, less proprietary some of the stuff is right and uses more native windows apis for like rendering um fonts and stuff like that and rendering controls yeah it probably is good if you have like a laptop it's probably better for battery life yeah better on ram management as well too uses less ram than chrome yeah so like it's it's it this is the thing like it's it's fine it's probably even better than like it's probably better than chrome if on a technical level right and it's like that like but still like it's just like this kind of campaign just makes it look bad like it just makes it it's like it has the opposite effect it feels like now now you have now you have headlines like microsoft is forcing people to uh use edge like that's the narrative now like that is that the narrative that the marketing people were going for i don't think that was that was the well narrative. it might be because remember windows search and you need to correct me because i haven't fucking used windows 10 in forever windows search still won't open your default browser right it'll open a bing search and edge right when you start do something windows search uh, let me let me just try let me just try let me if i just do uh uh if i do uh web results yes you're right it does launch in edge and it goes to Bing, right? Not your preferred. It does engine. go to Bing. Yes, yes, it does go to Bing. Which I don't. I like. I don't think you can change that either. Which is basically ruins Windows Search for people. Because guess what? You know what's the best part about Spotlight? It won't. Op- it'll open my default browser. Actually, let me double check this. Let me switch Chrome to be my default browser for one quick second. Let me just do a web result because I I don't want to be like wrong and have people on Mastodon yell at me. So let me see. Yeah. So you know, you know, we're doing the research on the podcast this live. Is the, this live. is the new innovation. Okay. Um, what Shades should I search? Ooh. Um. What's the What's the new hot Overwatch character everyone likes? Echo. Okay. Echo lewd. <laughs> I don't. Um, how do I, I? I can't search the web. How come I can't search the web? I thought you could search web in Spotlight, so I can search my bookmarks in history. I don't think you can. I don't. I thought that was only a functionality in like third-party Spotlight clones, like Alfred. 
oh oh here's what it does okay it'll it'll let you go to domains it'll give you suggested websites you can't do web searches but but if i it does open your default browser so if i go to echo.com it'll open it in chrome instead of opening it in safari so at the very least it still respects your preferences ice okay so so that's yeah so so that's the thing and it's like i like if i go to search settings if i go to set a search uh, when, if I go to Windows search settings, can I change anything here? No, I can. I cannot change. Uh, I cannot change. We well, can turn off indexing because I can turn off. I can PCs. change indexing. I can see indexing uh, status. I can see uh, like excluded. Like can add excluded folders, which uh, is I guess important if you're uh, if you have a lot if of you development have, if you have stuff. Echo ludes, you don't maybe uh, don't want to pop Windows. If you, if you don't want to put it, put your, you don't want to. Yeah, yeah, like stuff like that. But you cannot change the defaults search engine launch or the default web browser launch that you do when you do a web search, which by the way is why I never use the start menu to do a web search because why would I do that when I already have a browser open at basically all times? And it could in theory be great, right? Like, Wait, actually, sorry, sorry. Let's get this. Let's get this. Let me roll this back. It was great in Windows Seven. Remember, remember when Windows Search was actually good, and then they just completely ruined it in Ten. It's like I don't even need Web Search in my start menu. Like that's the thing. If I could disable Web Search, I would disable it. Like if I, I do not like there is there is never like w- like never at a point when I'm using my computer and I'm using Windows and I'm using the start menu that I come to the realization. Wait, it would be great if I could search the web using my start menu. Like there has never been uh, a thing that I like I wanted or desire or even like mildly have an interest in. Like it, it's there is no reason. I already have a web browser that's perfectly capable of doing a web search, right? Or if anything, they could do it the way um, Spotlight is. Here's a Spotlight: is it if I search for the word Echo, the top hits an app. I have an app called Echo Remover. It's for the podcast, right? And then it does bookmarks and history, then folders, definitions, music, podcast episodes, emails, network. Yeah, settings like random developer files siri knowledge series just websites and then webs regular websites so like that's the right way to put it at the bottom it's like i i do not i really like like even this like if you just if you have the search uh by the way in windows 10 if you if you back out of the search menu you get the whole search uh ui and it's like it says has, it has a recommended thing and guess what is recommended in the in the thing it's 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 edge. Yeah, it says try the new browser recommended by Microsoft. And you know what this really does? Like as a main thing, it just removes agency from like the user, right? And he's, there's tweets in the Verge article we linked in the show notes where someone was saying, "Hey, I was working on art," and then Windows, if for some reason, Windows still automatically restarts for updates. I thought that's something that they don't do anymore. I it, this has okay. So this is a thing. Um, this has never happened to me, by the way. Uh, I I don't know how it happens for other people or what what causes it, but there Windows has some Windows like Windows ten has something called Active Hours, and it will not restart your computer. Like if there is an update that requires reboot, it will not reboot your computer automatically during uh, during Active Hours. So you can set that in settings. That's one thing, right? Second thing is you can also like have updates. I think be paused. Right for a certain amount for up to thirty five days, and another thing is you can do is you can set update notifications, which is it shows a notification when your PC requires a restart to finish updating, and when that happens, you can actually 
tell it to s- schedule the reboot for another time when you're not using the computer or when you- well i think maybe it's if you haven't updated yet you just keep leaving it alone it'll automatically just force it after a set period of time i, I this is that's the thing i i can't like i can't speak to that because i always keep my windows uh fairly up to date like it's but i guess there's, a, there's another thing though is like so on mac os in a um ideal world where you're a um, I need to put this in extreme air quotes and put on my pompous hat. A good native Mac citizen, um, which is actually, that's problematic terminology in 2020. Mm, yeah, it, it, it's kind of is, yeah. Instead of saving good native citizen, let's say a properly written Mac app. That's probably better better phrasing. Um, fuck the Apple bloggers. Um, but so with, with that, right? Like Mac OS will save the state of your app when you reboot. If you're an AppKit app, and you say you're working on a document, right? Say I'm working on a photo, or I'm actually I'm drawing another Zarya, um, you know, lewd thing, right? You know, I'm trying to I'm getting it for my new Swift UI app that I've been working on for eight for years now. It'll save the state of that and pull it from RAM or pull it from like a swap file that saves, right? And then try and reload it. But the thing is, Windows still doesn't. I thought it's wild to me that Windows doesn't do that. It'll launch as a new process, right? When you reboot, um, Windows doesn't do that. It it will. It's actually, it does. It, I, I actually, I'm in settings when I, when you go to uh, like advanced options in, in updates, there's a, there's a link to the right called sign in options. Uh, and when you go, when you go to sign in options, it's a, another page in the settings where, uh, it's, there's a thing called restart apps automatically save my restartable apps when I sign out and restart them after I sign in. I'm going to take a shot in the dark and say that, yeah, restartable app is UWP app, right? Like Windows, like you like stuff from the Windows Store, right? Like if you have something from the Windows Store, like or like native uh, UWP apps or whatever, right? Like if you're using the like the built-in mail client or whatever, or like I would imagine Edge, uh, it will automatically like re- like save the state and relaunch when you when you restart. Uh, but I would imagine everything else will will not indeed actually do. It that. is for UWP apps. Yep. Okay. So it is there, but it is very obviously very limited because there are not a lot, not a lot of UWP apps. Turns if out. you use UWP apps, please at me. <laughs> if you use UWP, <laughs> I mean, I I do have a couple UWP apps, right? Obviously, I like I, my clipboard manager. Ditto is actually from the Windows Store, so it is technically uh, a UWP. No, no. App. Okay, so you gotta remember. Remember, welcome to the corner where I talk about Windows containers again. I'm so sorry. So the problem is, right? If it is a Win32 app that has been turned into a Windows Store app through Project Centennial, it is not. It is not get the separate. I don't know if it was turned into that or if it's like if it. Well, if it's like the Spotify app. So if this is iTunes and Spotify, right? If you get those, if you get those, even though they're Microsoft Store ones, they don't get like the a because apparently UWP apps have a whole separate page file than regular Win32 apps for some god unknown reason, and. And um, you don't get access to that, and you are not categorized as like a full U- UWP app for like state restoration, right? So it's like, yeah, so it's like not really a useful thing on Windows. Like it does might as well not exist as a feature, right? Because nobody can really actually use it, right? Uh, like because so many th- Windows apps are just not like gonna be able to do that. So it might as well not exist. So yes, like your PC restarting in the middle of the day for an update. I I still think you should configure active hours. I people, if you are a Windows user and you have this problem, I would recommend going to settings, going to Windows the going to the update section of settings and make sure you set your active hours to when you like, you know, when you're like on the computer, I guess, right? Uh, and like it will not reboot. It it I mean it should not reboot. Uh, I don't know if, if it, I don't know. Like uh, people have 
people have complained for Windows 10's like updating system for a long time, and I don't know what is real and what isn't, right? And because Windows systems can be so different, it's hard to say if it is a bug or if it is intentional or if somebody made a change in their system that is fucking up Windows Update, right? It like I, like there's no way for me to tell. So like I'm just gonna. Well, say, it's Windows 10 too, so you got to update and pray you don't lose your user data. I mean, this is why you should always. I mean, this is reason. I mean, back keep backups, please. Uh, people, just please. I I'm just gonna say this as a general rule. It doesn't matter what OS you're using. Uh, if you have data that is important to you on your computer. It, you should back it up, uh, either on-site or off-site, preferably both. Uh, but if you are looking for something, uh, I've heard people recommend something like Backblaze, right? Backblaze is fire. I use it. Um, Backblaze, I mean, well, I can't say the Windows experience with the Mac. I, I don't know the Windows experience, but if, if you are looking for something that is already like easy, easy, easy to use somewhat, like you... Well, you just want a backup solution that backs up, I guess, I don't know, like photos or documents or something. Like you can set up Backblaze and it will do the thing and you will be like, just, just, I would recommend if you don't have, if your data is important to you, you should, you should look into a backup. If, if you cannot afford a Backblaze subscription, that's a, that's a thing. But if you, if you can afford, uh, say an external hard drive, you can set up Windows has a backup thing, by the way. It's, uh, it's called, it is, I think just called backup. Um, you can like set up Windows. Like Windows has a thing for where you can like add a drive to uh, be like a uh, use file history to have backups, uh, which is which is a thing by the way. Like I, I I've never used this feature, so I, I really like I don't know like how how useful it would be uh, for people, but it is a thing. And if you have an external hard drive, you might be able to use that setting uh, use that feature to back your things up, right? Uh, and there's obviously utilities that do local backups to to external drives and USB drives and stuff like that, right? So always always something to, uh, always some general advice is to have backups of your of your important data. Um, so I think we have deviated a lot from the topic in some ways, but it, it, I think the topic here, I think the gist of the topic here is that install Arch Linux. <laughs> <laughs> No, uh, then you're going to have an, a, a whole other set of problems. Um, I think the problem here is that, as you mentioned, agency, right? The lack of, uh, the lack of, lack of like the, the, the feeling of like your computer is not your computer and it's like doing things that is disrespectful. Like it is not doing things automatically that will help you, right? Like it's not, this is not, it's not doing it for your benefit. Right. Like, I mean, it might say it's doing it for your benefit, but it's not actually doing it for your benefit. Right. Like it's doing it for Microsoft's benefit, which is the, which is the other thing. Right. It feels like you are on a, you're basically, your computer basically belongs to Microsoft or something. And like, you know, you just, just have to deal with it. Um, but yes, it's, it's not good. I, I, I really like, I, I really want them to just remove this. Like, I, there's, there's no way I can like, like there's no palatable way to like have this happen like i i don't know how they would even like have it like i don't know take out a full page ad like there's a way to advertise your fucking web browser you you have people that can figure it out like you don't need to do this uh do you know how you can advertise a web browser by being making a good web browser and like like even this is this is like the same stuff like how Google makes some websites Chrome only that really don't need to be Chrome only or how they spam it in your face when you go to google.com. Like it's all anti-competitive bullshit, but ultimately Edge is a objectively better browser than Chrome and has more compatibility than Chrome on Windows for like 
uh, has the same amount of compatibility website-wise, but works better on Windows. Yeah, and it's also, I mean, it's, it has a different set of features as well, so you might like like some of the like additional features that it has, and it's like, and also, and the other thing that has happened, this also happened to, apparently happened to Windows 7 people as well, like there was a forced Windows 7 update that installed Edge. Uh, is that a, like is that what I'm reading here? Like is is that yeah? Microsoft Microsoft be like Windows Seven is no longer receiving security updates. J.K. Let's pop one in to make you use Edge. <laughs> oh my god, they really did. Fucking okay. All right, all right. Uh, Microsoft. The, think of the poor. Think of the poor IT people who have to find a way to disable this when they roll out their monthly updates to their PCs. I, I mean, I would. Ass- I, god, that's that's a thing. I, I mean, I would hope it is not a thing that is. Anyways, I I, I don't know enough about how Windows updates are managed in enterprises, but um, let's talk about video games, I guess. Uh, if I mean, more from one batch, one set of batch shit to another set of uh, questionable decisions. Speaking of questionable decisions, uh, Destiny 2 news, and it is finally time for Tristan to actually talk about Destiny how, 2. How long? I think we have been joking that we can't For like a month, basically. <laughs> like we, have, we haven't talked about Destiny for a month because of all, all the stuff that's been happening. WWDC happened, all the other stuff happened. Uh, so let, let's get into it. So, so what is, what's going on? What's, 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 what's happening in, in, in Bungie land? Um, so explain to us, please. <laughs> All right. So basically there's a new destiny Two DLC coming in the fall. That's really not the important part. Like, let's be honest. That That's whatever. That's basically new zones, new story. Um, hopefully maybe this time look at the lore, right? Blah, 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 blah. That's not that important. I have already pre-ordered it because <laughs> of course you have. I'm gonna buy it anyway. So I like, mean, yeah, know. like I'm not judging you. I know, I knew you. I know you're gonna buy it. Like you're gonna play it anyway. So it's it might as well. I had I had sort of like a ten dollar off coupon that was expiring oh, yeah, yeah. soon. So like, I was get just that like, discount. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. If I'm gonna buy the deluxe Tostino's Pizza Roll Edition, might as well get it for ten dollars less. You know, that's how I think about things. If I'm going, if if I'm going to if I'm going to destroy my life, I might as well do it for a little bit cheaper than otherwise. You know, but so there's actually some bigger things happening to the game that I think could also. Also can be used as sort of like a vehicle to talk about some general game design stuff. So firstly, let's talk about weapon sunsetting and the concept of power creep, right? So in a traditional MMO like World of Warcraft or Final Fantasy XIV or Elder Scrolls Online, new expansion comes out and all of your current gear is rendered useless. And you just, you start, well, you start at the base and you have to grind back up, right, to whatever the new power cap is or whatever the most powerful weapons are in the game. And that is the cycle for each expansion. Destiny has never been like that. Destiny has had since House of Wolves. Since I think me, since before, before a little bit after I started playing it, when you started getting into the game, the idea of enhancing or um, upgrading—I forgot what they originally called it—where you essentially take, say, for example, you have one gun that's like one thousand power, and you have another gun that's nine hundred. You can use the materials in game to take the lower powered gun and bring it up to that current gun's power with, by sacrificing that gun with some other um, materials. This, however, creates a problem where, say, for example, you, I don't know, create a gun that ends up being very broken and people just keep bringing it with them and you run into a place where you end up designing encounters around said gun. And specifically in Destiny, here's the problem. So in the game, there are a plethora of perks. You can put mods on weapons, right? There's a mod economy. Armor has it. The only mods really worth using are reload perks and damage perks. Why? Because it helps you clear encounters quicker. Ultimately, at the end of the day, in any game, right, anything that increases power or, say, like a reload or the equivalent of re, um, I guess, like an MMO, right, it'd be refilling your magic bar or whatever. 
Yeah, like your mana, right? Like if you're yeah, that ultimately yeah. will help you clear things the quickest because it increases DPS. And that in these games, you need the the highest DPS, the fastest way to get to consistently keep the DPS clears encounters the quickest. So that ended up leading to a place where Bungie started designing encounters around the idea that people that there's going to be infinite power creep, and that ultimately led to the stop mechanic, which is you cannot get close to a boss because they will stomp you and throw you back into like and launch you back. And what does that mean? That means that people have ended up using a set of like 20 different weapons that are long range, can have damage perks applied to them and ultimately break the game because you only you can only be effective using the weapons, right? It's a cycle. You design encounters around the fact that users that players are using these reload and damage perks, but players are going to keep using more of those and higher and keep finding ways to get more DPS. So, oh crap! Let's design this encounter to counter that behavior that they're going to counter. Now we're you know it's in a circle. Yeah, it's like the feedback loop you've created is like you're just making enemies stronger and more tank, like have more HP basically, right? And yeah, like the enemies do more like AOE attacks and have more ads and more like more annoying. Like basically like Shadow Throne is a good reminder. Like Shadow Throne is um, <laughs> Shadow Throne. I like, I like I played that encounter and this is probably the only end game content. I, it's not even end game content in destiny two um, that I like close to end game content that I have played in destiny two, not a, not a raid. Obviously it's, it's as they call a dungeon. Which I mean, the distinction is without difference in my opinion, but that's another thing. Is like the end, like the last final, the final boss. Uh, obviously, there's two boss, two sets of bosses in Shadow Throne, and the second boss, which is the final one, is basically like incredible amounts of DPS coming from the from the boss and its clones, right? And its ads, right? There's so much like this small arena. There is a lot of DPS coming your way. You have to mitigate it in, in certain ways, and you have to like. And when you're doing that, you have to kill the boss. Uh, and the boss, t- essentially, the way to kill the boss, you stack DPS, right? Is that isn't that the way yeah, so, that you kill? So basically, you have to kill three knights. You stack a buff, and then you can damage the boss only when you yes, have that buff. When you have that buff, and guess what? If you stack, you can that bu- that buff is stackable. So if you have to kill the mo- knights, and then you have essentially a damage like a like a three x damage buff, right? And which which essentially will allow you to, if you have like a super or something, it'll allow you to kill the boss with basically one one go right so it's like essentially what you're talking about is where it creates this situation where that particular encounter is basically not doable if you don't have like certain like weapons that can output like massive single dps right like massive amounts of dps at once uh, or like massive constant dps right like uh, what is that what is that golden weapon thing where you can f- you fire what is celestial it? nighthawk with the celestial nighthawk right stuff like that like if you don't have that kind of thing that that encounter becomes like significantly harder and like it feels like you're kind of forced into one kind of gameplay at all times well the way we cleared it remember the way we cleared it was i stacked no no i stacked three buffs i had a um was it colony i had one of the guns that are very broken i pulled it out popped the session nighthawk shot and then just like did a bunch of damage with the with the um, with the grenade launcher and we just killed it in one one instead of actually playing the mechanic right having multiple rounds i just cleared it in one round doing that yeah we cleared it in one round after we figured out what the mechanic was with the, with the damage stacking is and i figured out i could just cheat it very easily by using a weapon with damage weapon and reload perks. so 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 i think back to the point is that is that we the example of there is that it just like it it makes these encounters in in many ways it it kind of removes the magic from these encounters right like these these bosses are supposed to be these powerful creatures right 
and like you're supposed to be it's supposed to be difficult to beat them but not too difficult right but instead what happened with the spark is obviously now you have these bosses that are very difficult and you have to play it in a in a cheesy way to able to even be able to beat it in a reasonable amount of time like it's it's not it's not fun i like i i'm just gonna say that it's it's not it's not the most fun experience uh, as a player yeah, because it also forces you to using kind of specific weapons, right? Because, for example, in a boss battle, you can't use a shotgun because you're going to get thrown off the field with a stomp attack. Yeah, what, what if you what if you don't want to use Celestial Nighthawk or like what if you don't want to use or sniper like, or whatever, right? Yeah, whatever the other like like uh, over overpowered weapons are, right? Like it it creates. Okay, I'm going to use the word. It creates a meta, right? It it creates. It's it's it's. Uh, this, I've used I used the M word. Sorry. Uh, it, uh, it's it it creates a meta game, right? It creates a meta game of specific uh, builds and weapons that you can o- that are only viable, and you're not using the viable weapons and builds. Essentially, means you're like throwing the game at higher levels of play, right? Like if you're if you're playing if you're doing a raid or a high level dungeon in Destiny Two, and you're not doing the meta build, like you're essentially like. At a significant disadvantage, right? And it's it's which is amazing to me because remember Destiny One, if you went to LFGs, you would need Galahorn or else they wouldn't let you do it because that was the best way to clear bosses. And then instead of making it where one weapon was overpowered, they just made perks that would make weapons that powerful, which is spectacular to me that they didn't see this becoming a problem. So so what are they doing? So what is the plan? Like the the the, the over the the, 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 the they have a uh, like a like a plan going forward to basically curb this sort of power creep and like sort of this imbalance well yeah so before actually before we get to the plan there's actually there's a crucible aspect of it too because the most broken weapons in the game my friend are not weapons you get through pve or raids the most broken weapons in the games are mountaintop and a couple other crucible only guns and so broken to the point of Imagine a grenade launcher that doesn't take heavy ammo and is a one-hit kill, and you can reload in less than a second with the right reload perk. Excuse me? Even Call of Duty is not that broken. Yeah, that's Mountaintop. Now, Mountaintop has been nerfed, but ultimately, Mountaintop, because of how the weapon is designed and the perks you can put on it, will always be an extremely overpowered weapon that that ruins competitive play. Like, Trials and Iron Banner is ruined if you're on a team of people using Mountaintop. It just makes the game not fun to play. So there's weapons like that that you can only get through playing high... You only get them, too, by being good in Crucible, right? The way to get Mountaintop is, I think you have to reset your rank a couple times. I don't remember the quest details exactly in Competitive. Which means, in Competitive, it's basically like getting to Master in Overwatch, right? Where, because in Competitive, if you don't win a match, you lose rank. So the only people who have Mountaintop are really good PvE players. That feeds the cycle, right? of give a really good player an already overpowered weapon that even a normal player would love to have, and then you get to a strange place. Because people used to pay to get carries on Mountaintop because of how good that weapon was. Like, people would sell it on Reddit. And so, so you have guns like Mountaintop, which just ruin trials. It makes it not fun. So, what they're basically doing is they're placing power caps on weapons, which means a gun is only good for a year. After a year, you can no longer infuse it to whatever the current season's power cap is, which ultimately means that it is no longer useful for end game content. Like, sure, you could still use your mountaintop in like a quick play match, but ultimately, if in Iron Banner, made, in Iron Banner, yeah, or Iron Trials, Banner, of Osiris. Trials, yeah. Okay, so it, like where like the 
where the power cap matters, right? Like the power or the power level rather matters where it's matched according to power levels, right? Or raids as well, right? You can't use them in any end game content now as well because power level matters and you won't be able to bring it up. You can still use it out on patrols, but like any end game stuff, anything like that, hell, maybe even gambit. So essentially, it 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 force it actually like like puts like a hard cap on these overpowered weapons, which is like a one way to fix them, I suppose. It's, it's to just make them not viable in, in higher level content. But Which is also what MMOs do. And now the difference though, the difference between Destiny and MMO here is A, I think there's like a psychological part where in a first person shooter people get far more attached than they do in um, MMOs. Because ultimately I I maybe, yeah. I think that's that's probably true. If how with how MMO weapons work, right? Like a mito multi-tool, right? In an MMO, like in a Final Fantasy 14, the equivalent of like a gun like the Mighty Multi Tool, which is universally loved and is a great gun, and it's not going away, mind you, is that it is the stats that are important, not the cosmetic of the weapons, right? Whereas in Destiny, they are one in the same. The specific weapon role and the design of the gun are the same thing. It's not like Yeah, so people people want to pick the gun that they like the design of. Like for example, my multi-tool is one of my is I think still one of the best designed weapons in a first person shooter ever. Uh that's I don't know if that's a hot take, but it's a take. Um like my multi-tool like I want to keep using minor multi tool, but minor multi tool is not viable. Like really, like scout rifles are not viable all the time, right? Especially in crucible. I don't know if if like minor multi tool is is really uh, like like viable in 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 crucible. Like I don't even know if it's ever viable in crucible, but like it just doesn't feel good to use in crucible. It's just slow enough where it feels like you're you're, you're at a disadvantage against like faster weapons, right? Um, I don't know. I'm I'm not an expert in Destiny P- PvP or PvP. well. Basically, the problem with Mita is that it's not that it's a bad gun. It's that there are broken weapons that are better. So why would you use Mita when you can use the broken gun that's better? So yeah, that, I mean, I'm curious that this Destiny content vault is that what they're calling it? Is that the is that no no? The this thing? is this is weapon setting. That's a different. Oh, thing. Okay, okay. So so they are gonna put, put a cap on these weapons and they're not gonna be you're not gonna be able to level them except for ex- exotics right exotics are accepted from this right um, yeah these exotics also too we have expected from destiny in general that exotics will get far less uh or actually far more nerfs right like the community is has a it's like it's a known thing right people expect exotics to be nerfed up and down and like the how the exotics work so there's a different culture there whereas with legendary weapons like specific weapons don't get buffed or nerfed but like a class right like scout rifles in general would get a nerf or a buff right right so so like so what happened like exotic rifles like i mean exotic uh weapons like so mountaintop is not an exotic weapon right so it's no mountaintop's a legendary that's the worst part about it right because you can have a three stack of very broken weapons in the game that's yeah, that's rough. Uh, I I could see. Okay, so I I mean, in theory, I'm in agreement with this. I like I don't know how this obviously how this is going to play out over time. Well, ultimately, the, the the counter is that Bungie needs to design encounters and weapons that do not um, emphasize damage and reload, and make encounters that are more that have other mechanics to play. And I think they're getting there. Like for the new dungeon, right? The new dungeon, the mechanic for every boss is not um, anything related to damage or reload, but you play a gambit, basically. So the new dungeon, the way it works is you you have to stand in the shadows. You stand in the shadows, and when you stand in the shadow of the prophecy one, you kill an enemy, you get dark moats. When you stand in the light, and there's like an, it'll tell you it's like on the screen if you're in the light or the dark, you get a light moat. And depending on how the encounters think, how the um, 
design of the room is. You either have to dunk light mokes or dark motes in order to damage the boss. So that's not really something that's related to damage. Okay, so so it's not about it's not about DPS as much as it's about like basically tactical area management, like basically essentially having a squad, you know, pick, give the motes properly and deposit them, right? Okay, so it's it's Gambit. Okay, uh, it's, it's I love how they just made Gambit, but in, in the fucking... I, I, I have my feelings about Gambit. Let's not get into I it. Know, I know you love the Drifter as the character, but... I, um, I, I, <laughs> fuck, fuck the so, Drifter. Um, so, so, like, there's, there's ways you can design them, and ultimately, I think that damage and reload perks aren't anything a shooter needs as, like, a game. Like, I feel like in, in any... In it, rather... In a shooter, like having those perks, just it makes the it makes the time to kill faster. And ultimately, a faster time to kill does not always mean a better experience. So, I, so I think what is this is sort of like I, like like we're talking like we're talking about balance, balance and game design here. And then the thing about uh, a sh- like a game where it's like a video game, right? Where people like people have been conditioned to expect to always get more powerful. And and in, in shooters, what getting more powerful usually means is you do more damage, right? You board you do more DPS, you do you do you have abilities that do more DPS or, or something like that, right? So when you sort of I, I think this is like I think the fault here is not entirely Bungie's, but like Bungie is like, hey, we're gonna have we're gonna give this power creep like ability. We're gonna give this a, like mods and stuff. We're gonna be let people have get a sense of progression and the ability to feel like they they're 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 doing uh, like a good amount of damage on a boss or whatever. Like obviously, like the extreme end of this is like you have this sort of situation where you have to scale back the sort of feedback loop where you keep getting more powerful right like it's, it's sort of like a video game trope in shooter especially where you're like you get you get better guns you you sh- you you shoot to get better guns like it's it's like the constant loop of getting better guns and the guns that will do more damage uh it has like destiny has always felt like that. Like, always the loop has always felt like it is a loop where you increase your power level to increase your power level to increase your power level, right? Like essentially, it is all about the power level, and the weapons are essentially scaling with the power level, right? The damage scales with power level, and like is that correct? Like that's I'm pretty sure that's correct, right? Like the, the, so, how it works is you. Destiny is a weird game that leveling has changed so much. How it works today? How it works today in the year of our Lord 2020 is. Everyone, if you are at the same power level or higher, you do the same damage. It is power deficits that is like a factor of 0.2, I think, where each power level you take more damage the lower power you are. Uh, so, so you take more damage if you're if you're uh, okay. So it's not directly about DPS; it's more about damage mitigation, more more like. Right? Well, that's, that's okay. the thing, right? Once you get to the power cap for a season, which normally happens through play and just playing the game. You can increase your arbitrary power level rate with the, um, cause you can grind out power levels forever, but it resets every season. But ultimately, the way you get more powerful is either by having really good armor builds and getting really good stat builds there, which is a fun meta game that some people, I know you don't, but I enjoy playing. But when it comes to weapons, like it's either you get all the guns or you get reload and damage perks. So it's the only way to get more powerful after reaching the power cap. Right. Okay. So I, I, I think what, what what has happened here is that because uh because Bungie let players do these mods, it has sort of removed a degree of control from them, essentially, because it has created a scenario where players are able to essentially create their own meta game over time, right? Like the creative use of the mods has let players essentially 
break the game, right? I think that is the game design problem you're run- they're running into. Well, there's also another thing we need to mention as well is that um, there are no cosmetics to really grind for in Destiny, right? They have all been put into the Eververse. So let's say, for example, in another game, you could grind for heirlooms or um, transmog materials or whatever, right? Like different different sort of cosmetic stuff that if you see a player with that, you'd be like, oh, shit, they cleared that dungeon doing X, Y, and Z, right? Or they cleared that raid doing X, Y, and Z. Or, oh, they've done X, Y, and Z in Flawless or, or, or in Trials. Whereas in Destiny, all you really get are emblems and maybe some shaders but there isn't like there isn't like a there's no cosmetic end game piece that's all put into the eververse store because bungie would rather have him give him real money which is one thing that which has always baffled me in in uh, destiny is that it it pretends to be like it, it it is an mmo but it doesn't really go into the mmo thing about cosmetic variants right like the cosmetic meta game or not meta game but like cosmetic Thing I like when I when I'm like this um, whenever like for example uh, Final Fantasy fourteen is an example here because uh, a lot of people on Master are playing is is one thing I see on Master is people having all these different looks right the characters have this really cool looking uh, armors cool looking cosmetics cool looking hairstyles cool looking I don't know items on on their on their on their character like that's not a thing Destiny two has right. Like, that's not really a- yeah because there's there's a it, if you talk about final fantasy 14 there's a story behind it right like oh where'd you get this armor piece from it's like oh shit i had to beat this one boss on mythic difficulty doing x y and z whereas on destiny if you ask me of my character i'd be like oh i grinded up a bunch of bright dust so i didn't have to pay for payroll <laughs> money in the eververse in order to get this sick armor <laughs> that's literally like how my character looks so dope and it's like it's sad it's yeah it's it's uh, it's another aspect of how it it try it it's trying to be an mmo but uh, like it's not quite reaching like the traditional mmo thing about cosmetics uh which what else is there what else is there to talk about uh there is well vibing sunsetting i think that's basically the other pack that people are mad people are mad about the about the fact that our weapons are going away which also ultimately like yo you you've had mountaintop for three years now please stop crying it's okay like this one i think i think it's just weapon sunsetting will not break the game if anything the game's broken as is and i'm i'm please cheese change it i think the uh one of the one of the things about making these kind of changes uh i mean it's not unique to destiny it's unique to any game that has like has been it's constantly changing has has been around changing for years is that whenever you make a, a major change that you hope will make the game better is there is Always people who have gotten used to the status quo so much that they think it is a good thing, right? Like they have gotten used to it. Like they have, I think one of the things, uh, is they, they have this fallacy of like they put, put in so much time into this. They put in all this grind. They grinded bright. What is the, whatever the fuck the currency is. Right. Does they uh, grind does. it to, let me, I want to list all the things you can grind in Destiny to get weapons that are good. And uh, please tell me it, how confused you are at the fact that this game has never surfaced any of this to you. So let's start. All right. We have Flashpoints, Nightfalls, Gambit, Crucible. You've, you've played those. Good enough. All right. Let's go a little bit deeper. We have Reckoning, Menagerie, the Tribute Hall, um, whatever in the dreaming city the court of whatever in the dreaming city escalation protocol nightmare hunts um the the wave-based activity on the moon i'm fucking remember the name of it um bunkers the sundial you've probably only played one or two of those things yeah i've only played a few of these so it's like like, yeah, Dustin is not good at surfacing its content that's that's also a different problem but like i i i really think that there is a certain subset of people who just feel slighted on this change because 
they feel that they have put in all this effort and or, or they feel like I am I I am I am all kitted out and I have a good build. Why is this a problem? Like they don't because they're like it's a problem of I guess privilege. I don't know if it's I guess it's a problem of privilege is that people people with like people who are usually invested in the system a lot already fail to see the forest for the trees, right? Like they just think, oh yeah, my my build is good. I, I grinded all these arrows. I have good builds. I have the good weapons. Why why does this system need to change? What is what is wrong with the system? They don't realize that this is actually like a problem because they have already accepted that it is a thing. It's just it's just a natural like it's like a it's just a thing that is there. Like they have to accept it. It's not a thing that they can be And if you look at the Reddit posts too, right? It's most of them they think that Bungie's just trying to tune the game to be more casual friendly by making this change, which is ridiculous. Right. See, right. Like, yes, I was about to get to this. They're, 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 they're sort of like a sort of like uh yeah, the, the fallacy of like, why should I have to grow like I had to grind for these? Why should other people not have to grind for them? Right? Like it's sort of like I got mine and they have to get theirs in the same way as well, right? Like it's the same exact mentality of like I I had to work hard for these things, so you have to work hard for these as well. Which is which is like it, 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 as it's probably it's a very toxic mentality in many ways, uh, and it's not just games, but in this case, we're talking about Destiny too. So yeah, and then I guess as well too, we should also mention that this also applies to armor. Armor is also getting sunsetted, which I mm, I'm a little more torn on that. You're one. a little bit salty about that. I mean. <laughs> Because I mean, I'm about to I'm about to prove your fallacy. Because let me inform you how long it took me to get like the peak armor build as someone who doesn't raid. So, firstly, only four or five things in the game will drop armor. So armor can go from zero to a hundred real quick. Uh, <laughs> that's horrible. Wow, I'm gonna cut that out of the show. Wow, <laughs> that's bad. Uh, somewhere in the background, I should put that Drake six 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 sound. But um, how armor works is it can go from zero to a hundred in terms of each stat, right? There's like six stats. And ideally, a balanced roll would be ones with multiple values in the 70s. That's like from a P is when you masterwork it, everything goes up at like 10 or 12 points. So having a balanced roll would be all 70s or high 60s, right? And that can only drop from like raids and endgame content. There are very little places in the game it can drop from and also very little chance of it dropping. So it took me, took me maybe it might have taken me a very long time to get a all 70 stat roll set of gear and then you have to masterwork it and to masterwork it it is 10 enhancement cores um five enhancement prisms and then it's also an ascendant shard and to acquire that one enhancement prism is 10 enhancement cores one ascendant shard is 10 enhancement prisms so you get 100 enhancement cores which do not drop that frequently in the game in order to masterwork one piece of armor so do that five times over and then for exotics, it's even more materials. And then you can get a fully, fully masterwork set of gear with the right build. So it might have taken a very long time. And I'm not going to argue. Yeah, I mean, I think the, I think the, I think the TLDR is that it just took you a long fucking cry. And I kind of don't really want to do that grind again, which is why I'm a little more salty that they're also sunsetting armor. I, see, I get, I get, I think, I think this is also like, I, I sort of understand the problem here. Like, it's like, Bungie is, is like, Hey, we designed this game to be grindy and you have to do all the shit to get the best gear possible. And now we're going to, now we're going to change it so that it doesn't matter anymore. I, I can see why people are sort of like, I sort of sympathize here. Like I am sympathizing as much as I'm talking about the toxic aspect of it. I'm also sympathetic to the people who have, you know, put in all the time, put in the effort, you know, put in the grind. <laughs> 
I, I don't even know how people grind that much. It seems the mind boggling to me as a person who can't really stand that amount of grind, but uh, that, that's, that's what that is. It's incredible the amount of time people put into these. So yeah, there is going to be salt. It's, I, I'm, I'm, I'm not surprised. I don't know if there's any way to mitigate this from Bungie's perspective. I, I, well, there's transmogging coming in, but that's so you can keep the appearance of old gear if you want, but ultimately. Yeah, it's it's even as as upset as I may be about losing some of my armor. Like ultimately, I think it's better for the health of the game to to move forward with this way rather than more encounters being shattered, thrown on steroids. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like I think I think yeah, like when when this is coming, it's gonna it's gonna suck. Like people are gonna be mad because all the stuff that they worked hard for is is no longer viable, et cetera, et cetera. But I, I sort of you have to I sort of take the like outer like sort of. The, leave the game like take the objective view a little bit like go outside uh of of like your own little bubble and think about like what this means for the game as as a whole and a, like you hopefully this is this is going to be an improvement for the game long term it also benefits new players right for, and for a benefit, far smaller loop pool. and i think that is important as well is that you you do want a new players to have a good time this is this is not i think i think this is one of those things I agree with Bungie is that you have to improve the new player experience because if you don't have new people coming into your MMO, it becomes uh, very sad. Uh, it just, it just over time, it sort of calcifies into this sort of like you become elite dangerous. You, you it, it sort of just calcifies into a group of people. Uh, this has sort of happened with Planet 2 in some ways is that there, there, it becomes so, it classified to a group of people that are so into the game and it, it's like they are so into the status quo. There, they are, it doesn't, there's no fresh ideas. People keep saying the same shit for literally years, right? Same ideas, same like design philosophies. Like there's no fresh blood. Like there's no new player input here like it just sort of becomes stale and it's not a it doesn't become a fun game anymore at that point you start optimizing for the people who are still there and sort of becomes like a bad feedback loop the game becomes harder for new people to get in the more time it is harder for people to get in right like it's sort of like a feedback and and i I really don't want destiny to actually go that way because it's like that's not that's not good like you don't really want destiny 2 to become a game where it's extremely difficult to be even even be able to enjoy this game like it's i i don't think that's a good plan for destiny and not a good plan for bungie especially financially right like there's also a thing about how are they going to keep making money from this game long term like they have to keep getting new players in who potentially might spend money on cosmetics, right? Like that is that is isn't that the plan? Like what's what's like Bungie is now their own studio, so they have some sort of I hope like I mean I hope they have some sort of long term financial plan. I, I mean I hope Well, you also need a path to the end game piece. Think about it like this. The reason you buy expansions is for the story, but ultimately, so you can play the raids with your friends, right? You can you can you can't play current endgame content without owning the current expansion, which is fine. I actually don't think that's a problem. But imagine this: come the fall expansion, okay, and you you're a new player, and you're like, oh, cool, let me check out this raid. This seems like a fun game. You go on an LFG site or whatever, you go to Discord, and people are like, okay, let's play the new raid. By the way, everyone needs mountaintop and colony and these four weapons, and you can't join. And and then you 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 then you're automatically excluded, right? You just I mean if even if you go looking into LFG groups, which is like you know already a big like big barrier to end game content is 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 like you have to either have friends 
who play Destiny 2 and are into endgame content, right? Which is not a given, by the way. Uh, or you have enough friends who have the time to get into the endgame content as well. Like, it's, 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 a, it's you need a full fire team, right? And it's like, you, you go, like, you, you're not gonna, like, some people are just like, I'm never gonna go looking for Destiny to endgame groups. Like, I, I it's just, it, like, I, I, I... Well, there might be a different, maybe there's a different context to it then. That might be, it's like, say you want to play Iron Banana, which is match-made, and then you get destroyed with Mountaintop, and you're like, what the hell is this gun, and how do I get it? And then you see that you have to grind out comp for, like, three seasons in order to get this damn gun, and you just kind of like, I'm not playing this. Yeah, yeah, like, you're, you, like, yeah, it sort of, like, discourages people from, like, really enjoying the game. I think Iron Banner is one of my favorite modes. And yes, definitely I have played matches where I can tell there, there are players who are using weapons that are like significantly better than what I have or what my team has. So we're getting fucking stomped, right? Like it's not even competitive. Like it's just, we can't even get good shots in. Like it's not even like sweaty or anything. It's just you getting stomped. And that is, ne- like, you know, in a PvP setting, like that is not a fun. Like it is distinctly unfun to play PvP like that. You, you're not gonna, like nobody's gonna get any enjoyment out of that, right? Like it's, it's not even enjoyable for the people. I, I don't think it's even enjoyable for the people who are stomping because it's like, it's not really fun. Like, how much stomping can you do before you're bored of it, right? Like, it's it's not really fun, right? Yeah, it's more fun to play against people who have a similar skill level uh, and, like, match made properly with guns that are more suited uh, to, like, each other. So it's, like... It's also fun, more fun in a PvP game to have different encounters, right? Like in Halo, right? Like, sometimes you pick up the sword and you kill for a couple of shots and then that's it until it spawns again. And other times you'll have, like, your assault rifle and you play a little bit, you know, more aggressive and you get your battle rifle or DMR and you can be a little more long range all in the same match. Whereas in Destiny, it's like, just run around mountaintop, 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 and I win. Yeah, it's just, it's very, like, Destiny... I like it's just very like it's just boring like it's not interesting i it's it's not fun and especially when one sided starts dominating it be, it feels hopeless like like i played i like this is one of the problems with like destiny crucible of the little i've played especially iron banner uh one of the sweatier modes is that once like the momentum shifts significantly in favor of one team it sort of becomes like it feels very sort of like difficult to climb back right it feels almost like especially if there's a significant skill disadvantage right skill or like weapon and armor build disadvantage like you you just feel like why, why am i even playing i might as well just quit the game like i might as well just leave and requeue right like it's i'm not going to be able to do anything in this game like be or feel anything like good about this particular matchup right it's just it just it just sucks like that people are just not gonna play pvp in that case right uh which is why i haven't played destiny pvp in a long time uh just just because of that it just doesn't feel as uh doesn't feel like i get good matches in in iron banner as uh, like i don't know it's I don't, I don't play enough to really have like anything more than anecdotal uh, data, so that, that, that's the thing. No, no, I agree. I agree. And at least they've been making changes on the matchmaking side, which we don't really need to get it to. But I think maybe we should switch, switch some more things that the gamers are mad about. I mean, we're sort of an hour in, uh, and I, I'd imagine uh, this is a, a topic that's uh, uh, that's been happening. It's been happening over the past month, I guess. Um, so there is, uh, there's going to be a link to uh, a piece uh, by uh, Patricia Hernandez over at uh, Polygon. Uh, it's titled uh, The Last of Us Part Two has become uh, a minefield, and I recommend I recommend everybody read this, even if you're like not interested in the game. But uh, you should read this. I feel like as sort of like if you're interested in gaming culture uh, as a whole, I feel like it's worth a read. It's it's a very good piece. 
And and the thing is, uh, so the so the problem here, uh, what what Patricia is alluding to, is that this game has become very tiresome to talk about, right? Like this game has become, as she puts it, a minefield because it just there are so many polarizing opinions, and there is sort of like this general, um, like when 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 there are these popular games uh, that come out every year, like these AAA games that are high budget, extremely expensive to make, uh, made by uh, well-established studios, like with a, a lot of money put into marketing and et cetera, et cetera. It's like there is a certain degree to which journalists, like I feel like game journalists, feel like they have to sort of be careful with how they review these, right? Like they have to be careful in the sense that. You have to be like you have to justify every criticism very, very delicately and very explicitly, right? Like you can't just be like, "I don't like this. I don't like X mechanic. I just don't like it. Like I, I don't feel it's a good mechanic." Like that's not a thing you could put in these reviews because it's like, if you say that, then people are gonna be like, "Why do you not like it? Do, do you just hate this game? Like you don't you, like you're just biased, right? Or whatever, whatever gamers say these days. Uh, like it, like it just feels like the discussion has to be couched in so many like explanations of how people think and uh, people uh become sort of hesitant to write uh proper critique of the game and because the discourse has sort of become so uh so polarized right like it has become polarized and and obviously uh Part of it is also that the devs are, are devs have huge fucking egos, especially in the case of The Last of Us Part Two. I'm looking at uh, I'm looking at Neil Druckmann over here, uh, Mister Mister Druckmann, who who really should learn the the huge value in keeping your mouth shut. Um, is he's going off on Twitter about how how like uh, how it's like how Jason Scar like no this Scar was just like he's just like. The mildest criticism is getting the outsized responses from these people. Like there are, like this game isn't going to sell like millions of copies already, right? Or hasn't sold millions of copies already. Like it's like your game is already successful. Why are you so mad? Like why are you, why are you angry that some reviewer said that this mechanic was not good and they give it a lower score than than you think is, it deserves? Uh, like why are why are AAA developers out here on Twitter being like? Game critics are bullying us. Like, no, that's, that's that's not how anything works. That's that's not what the function or the reason that uh, like one of the many reasons that criticism exists of any given art form, right? It's that's that's not that's not the point of games critique. Uh, like, hope is not not to bully developers. I don't I don't think that's 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 the point. Like, it's like you you are projecting your own feelings. Like, Corey Balrog is like, why 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 is Jason Scarra being mean? I'm like. No, it's this. It's not. It's not happening. Like this. This is also. I mean, if we look at game development, right? It's not really like that. The uh, press are the ones who hold the power. They're order developers. Everyone's equally at the hand of um, uh, racist and, and horrible gamers who will bully everyone equally. So, I mean, like, if it, the power structure really, if, if it was, if you take video games as a culture and you put the power structure, you put white supremacy and other institutionalized places that make gamers feel like they're more empowered to do things that they maybe might, might not be. And then below them are like developers and press kind of fighting each other. It's, I, I, I don't, I, like, it is sort of weird to see these sort of like well-established AAA, devel- AAA directors like basically acting extremely childishly on, on Twitter. And like, it, it just, 
it just sort of like, I mean, it is sort of like, I think one of the things this has exposed, maybe exposed or put out in the open is, is the sort of, it's, it's sort of put into full view what some AAA directors think of the games press, right? Like they think of the games press as sort of like, a, a sort of like an arm of their marketing team, right? Like they sort of view games press as sort of like, the games press is there to just to hype up our games, right? Like it, just to give these games the the PR and and, and the marketing that they need, right? Like, well, it's like, it's like it's like tech Twitter, right? It's an extent it's an extension of marketing and nothing yeah, more. Yeah, it's it's extent to marketing and diff, like it has. I mean, I mean, a lot of game critics have. Uh, I mean, a lot of people have been talking about this. Not a new topic by any means, but a lot of people have been talking about it for years. It's like how games press differs to to the publishers in a very specific way, especially the big. Uh, big sites, right? They, they defer to AAA publishers in a very specific way. And it's like how there's the conflict of interest. And, and this, I think, has put into view sort of like what these, what these people who are basically at the top of the video game industry, in, not in, not in like the sense that they're exec- executives who, who move the money, but in sort of like sort of very visible high level of people at like highly respected game development studios being like, Game critics are game critics have no game like no no skin in the game and like they they are essentially just like they why why are they dunking on us like they have no right to dunk on us why why the fuck are they dunking on us right like that betrays I think a sort of point of view where they're like they think that game critics are like game reviewers are just just like there to service their their needs right like not to like not to have a good like like a good criticism discourse like not to have like good amounts of like actual critique habit of a video game the like, actual critique of video games is, is already in, in not mainstream like it you're not gonna get good critique of most video games from the mainstream games press right like you're not getting good games critique from ign and let me just i'm not gonna okay look i'm not gonna disrespect anybody who writes for ign okay like i'm not I'm not disrespecting. Like I'm, I, I, I recognize you are, uh, you are a mainstream games publication. And you- well, well, I think I think that we should phrase it another way. Piece IGN also um, full of um, accusations this week. Once again, we stand with survivors. Just need to put that on the table if we're going to talk about IGN's editorial process because with those same editors, right? If you write a piece, it's not it's not the writer. It's say say I could you could write a games review where you're just like yeah, all of the black characters in The Last of Us two end up being killed. In one way or another, that's a little problematic. And then your editor could be like, hmm, let's say it's racially charged. Let's not say, let's not use the word racist or something like that. Yeah, exactly. Like your, your editor is going to be like, that's, that's reward that, right? Like let's, let's change the wording of that. So it's not as, not as, uh, explicit, right? Or something like that, right? It's, it's, it's the, it's the editorial tone, right? It's the editorial tone of these publications are like the editorial tone of these publications are, tuned in such a way not to piss off these AAA publishers that feed them, right? Like, essentially, they don't want to bite the hand that feeds them. And guess who feeds these, these big, big publications? Uh, it is, it is these, it is these, like, the, they live on the content, right? They are so... Well, video games journalism is access journalism, really, when you think about its core. <laughs> that's, that's another problem, right? It's sort of like, you, like, it, it is, I think this is a problem with the, is that because it is access journalism, and if you don't have access, you're automatically at a disadvantage. But and like the the best critique 
in video games does not come from people who have access. And like it is it usually in, in long form essays. Uh, and like it is from people who write about game, a specific game, like long after it comes out, right? That's also another thing is that sort of like the whole like game coming out and the whole review cycle is is created this sort of environment where you are you are basically forced to co like basically forced to acquiesce to the to the publisher's demands in certain ways and certain like even in not explicit demands but implicit demands right like they're implying that your review needs to be in a certain way right like implying in some ways like and there's also a thing about how like uh, like a certain reviewer maybe reviewed a game like seven out of ten and they had the publisher's marketing department call them and be like, hey, are you sure about that score? I'm like, are you sure it's a, it's, it's a seven out of ten? Like, are you sure you don't want to like, you know, change that to like an eight, you know, like hint, hint. Um, like, they're, they're not, that's not even like explicit pressure. Like, that's that's the most explicit pressure they're, they're putting on these people, right? Like, there's also obviously the extreme amounts of implicit uh, like pressure of like having to be able to make a living and like for these publications to be able to survive in this, in this economy. Like it's, it's ad dollars. It's, it's these publishers giving them access for these exclusives. Like they're not going to bite these hands too, too hard. Like that's, that's like, that's the conflict of interest here. So like Last of Us part two, uh, like it, uh, I, I'm expecting another round of this, uh, when Cyberpunk 2077 comes out later this year. Uh, I have a feeling, I have a distinct, distinct feeling in my gut that that game is also going to be controversial in very similar ways. Uh, and it's, it's, it is just tiresome, really, to have these same discussions over and over again. Um, and to have these, like, I, I'm just like, I don't even care about this game, but this has, this, this game has, inf- like, a game has, like, infiltrated games discourse for the last past month or so. So it's, it's unavoidable. Um, so, so, before we wrap up, do you have any final thoughts on this topic before we wrap up? Yeah, basically, I don't know. Games journalism should just... I don't I don't know why you're also beholden to getting free codes from publishers. Fuck them. Like, and, and honestly, like, I maybe... I, I get it from a business perspective that, oh, maybe buying games might be... Well, for individual journalists, sure, but for a cor- for a corporation, fucking buy the games for your for your reviewers to play them, and then just like stop. Pe- I don't. It, it's weird. It's weird. I, it's it's not just that you that you can't do that. It's also that you have to be the first reviewer. Like your, your review you? has to be do there you? because of search That's engine. Not- search, search, search engine. It's ad. It's ads. Bro. Fuck! It's ads are ruining everything. If if they're like if that, that is, I I disagree. I disagree for the reason of. When it comes to tech and stuff, like I don't know, not really. What are okay? So, what 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 like regular tech stories tend to do well? Tech blogs, it is Apple stories. And does John Gruber ever have his take like being first? No. Does he still somehow manage to make lots of money on his site only writing four times a week? Absolutely. Yeah, but that's that's not the same, right? Like I'm like it's not like the daring fireballs business model is not the business model of a lot of these video game blogs, right? A lot daring fireballs advertising. He doesn't have a membership. I mean, it is partially, but it's not, it is really not the same kind of advertising, right? Like, it's, it's not really the same kind of, like, it's not even like the same sort of money that, like, amounts of money that they're making. It's like, and like, these sites, like, these video game blogs survive on ad revenues, and it is, like, it is extremely critical for them to get all those, like, 
views and clicks because that gets gets them higher search rankings in, in in Google and that gives them possibly more ad revenue, right? Like that's the cycle. That's the cycle we have to break because that's the cycle that's funding these sites. And as as long as these sites are being funded by ad revenue, they are going to be forced to be in service to the to the ad revenues, like with all the problems that come with being uh, being like you know an ad revenue funded site, right? Is just it is just not feasible for you to, for example, right? If you if you are a site that is funded by ad revenue, and your your review of the Last of Us Part Two doesn't come out until like say a week after the game comes out to public, you have lost essentially all your traffic for that for that review, right? You have essentially lost the majority of of your traffic. You essentially, have lost the majority of the ad dollars that you could possibly make. Uh, which, which is, you know, it's, it's, it's a thing. It's, it's, it's unfortunate, but it is the reality of this situation is that you have to be there on day one. Otherwise, you're not going to be able to get the traffic. It's unless, unless you have a specific audience that is going to click through anyway. And not, not a lot of, not a lot of these sites have that, have that specific privilege, right? Dang Fireball works because people like, people like John Gruber. People want to hear what he says. People subscribe to his RSS feed. That's why, he, that's why he's able to do that kind of thing, right? People, People, people don't care that his opinion is a weak way. They just care that his opinion exists. Uh, it's, 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 that's not the case for this for these sites. They just depend on these ad revenues so much that they, they're, they're basically helpless uh, in, in this. Because, so in, in conclusion, I think it's for capitalism. I think it is, it's the conclusion to all, all of our episodes, but it's specifically this one. Uh, I'm, like, let's wrap this up, uh, unless you have something else to... Destiny 2 would be better if it's open source. Uh, all right, folks. Uh, as always, you can find us on com, which is not ad-funded, by the way. However, if you would like to sponsor this show, um, starting prices are $4,000 because that's... I will, I will more than... I will gladly for 4000 cash money, not Bitcoin. I don't, I don't fuck with that BTC. Yeah, just US dollars, please. Yeah. Um, just wire transfer that straight to me. It's fine. Um uh, you can find us two shades at brown.com. You can find me on the Fediverse at packetcat at 10forward.social. You can find me uh, on my website, salixave.com. has all the links. Patreon.com slash packetcat. Uh, please go support that if you like my Overwatch League writing, which is on autonomy.com. If you want to read that, uh, tell Give me feedback. Uh, let me know uh, if, if you like that kind of writing. If you want more, I want, uh, I want more loot fanfics. If I could put in a request. Oh my god, I'm not, I'm not good at writing fanfic. Unfortunately, well, you have to start I, everywhere. I, you got to feel start. like if I was good you at start. it, you got to start. You know, you can't get good unless you get better. That made no sense. That's, that's true. It's true. It's true. <laughs> um, so where 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 do people find your your writing, Chosa? Where do people find you uh, your lewd fanfics? Um, lewd fanfics. You have to go to archive.org for that. I'm not going to tell you the right keywords to put in that search engine. But um, if we're talking about regular writing, you could find my all of my takes on Mastodon at chosefinder.xyz. You can find my website at chosefinder.website. Um, you can find my privacy policy, which Apple required me to put also on that website. All right, right. My hot new <laughs> privacy policy. But um, anyways, until until next week when we scream more about Destiny. Bye. Goodbye.